We're continuing where we left off, and it is uh, June 14th, 2020, and we're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer. Okay, thought of the week. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Philippians 3, chapter Chapter, chapter 3, verse 7 to 9. When comparing his Jewish heritage to what he found in Christ, he is willing to simply let go. Beyond that, it is rubbish compared to what God has for him in Christ. Paul is, Paul is fully seeing the plan and eternal purpose of God and embracing it. His Jewish resume must complete compete with what God has called him into the church. First, it cannot compare. But what was glorious has no glory. Now, in comparison with the superpassing glory, second Corinthians chapter three verse ten, notice it has no glory when when we compare to it to what we have in Christ. If you are a former Jew and are looking back, you cannot see the glory way forward. Paul is not saying that Jewish heritage is rubbish or worthless at all. We must make sure we see this point. He recognized that God of Israel and all that has happened in the past, their success and failures, in fact, Christ within a historical Jewish context. What Paul is saying is he sees the church, which is our God's eternal purpose. He now sees something that is so glorious. That is, he, that is, he is swept away from everything he was in Israel. He cannot be all he was in Israel and accept God's call for him in the church. Considering this, he sold off everything that would hinder him from filthy, from fully appreciating the eternal riches in Christ. We are created, we are created in Christ, and simply are no longer Jew or Gentile. That is the reality. If we are still clinging to some past identity, we have not fully accepted God's reality. Take us from the start of the week. There's a lot of this thought of the week. You know, with Paul, I know we had discussed the other question answer where Paul looked at those who were super apostles and he was saying in humility he was he, he was more inferior to, to those. That's taken from second Corinthians chapter eleven, where he recognized also that those apostles that he'd have um his speech wasn't that great of those who saw all, but he got the word of God, and he, and he actually put forward that. And being a part of the week where he said he's looking to mature everything he knew, because he had a tremendous wealth of uh, historical events of Jewish and what his upbringing was, he's throwing all that aside now, and he's letting God take a hold of him to bring forth. So right now, you're looking at, if you're a Jew or a Gentile, you know, right now, we are God's possession, and this is our, our, our heritage. We are the church. So before he recognized what God had did for him and what he's doing now in the tent with the church. So this is what I'm getting from taking from the Lord of the week. So right now, we're going to have prayer taken, given to us by the white, taken forward within prayer. Thank you very much, Dave. And before I pray, offer prayer, does anybody have any specific requests they would like to include? 
course, I'll be praying for our families and and friends. Yeah, the um, the verse in First uh, Timothy chapter two comes to mind, which says. Um, First of all, then I urge supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Thank you. Thank you for writing that. All right. Let us bow our heads and come before our Father in, in prayer then. Dear Father in Heaven, we want to thank you, first of all, for this wonderful privilege of being able to come to you and have a heart-to-heart discussion and understand what your will is for us and to understand just how wonderful and far-reaching it is. It is immeasurable. It is manifold wisdom that is um, above and beyond what we are capable of even imagining. So we ask that you would reveal these things to us and help us to sit still and humble ourselves and embrace our position as students, disciples in this case, understanding that this is not just to improve ourselves in this world, but we have been called into sonship. We are adopted sons and call you Abba, Father. We pray for the lost. We pray for the lost that they would uh, turn to you, that they would have resources made available to them to help them understand your plan. We pray for the saved as well, that they may grow in grace and continue to put themselves in a position where they need to let go of the things they have learned in this world and embrace the things that you have to teach them. We pray for everybody in this church, Order to Church on this call, and um, affiliated with the church in any way, that uh, all of our hearts might be touched um, by by what we are learning here, and that the eyes of our hearts would be open to the glorious inheritance that we have received by guarantee. And pray for the church worldwide and, and all the <clears throat> endeavor to understand your truth versus what the world is presenting as, as truth, but we know is not. We know there are many false teachers that have come into the world, and we ask you to protect those who would seek you from them. We also pray for people all over, protesters, victims of violence and prejudice and bias, and also pray for oppressors and perpetrators, that they would all instead humble themselves and turn to you, Father, and see the glory of the eternal plan that you have for us. And anyone with an ego, for that matter, which I think would be everyone, may we all sit and pay attention to what you have for us, for all scripture is breathed out and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Dwight and Dave. We are going to continue with where we left off last week. And John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Some mouthful there, that's for sure. So we have to break it down into some phrases here. And hopefully you have some notes and uh, we can take some time to look at them. So as the spiritual dynamics of the church continue to develop, our Lord gives more understanding of the new way of life to come. A new dispensation was on the horizon, and the 11 disciples would need to pay close attention to the Lord and the Spirit of Truth when He comes. But their theological worldview crushed, dashed, they had to depend on the signs, wonders, and miracles as the sure direction of God's leading. They believed Christ. They trusted him for sure. But he kept saying these strange things that were hard to reconcile. Then he spoke of leaving them 
they had to make some important decisions about Christ. I can imagine there were some restless nights. What did they take away? What did they take away from their experience was to trust in Christ. Trust in his words, even though they did not have the context or frame of reference for them. The same trust that led them to follow him for over three years, leaving their families and businesses. As I write these words, I confirm that the church continues to stand on this firm foundation. Quote, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. That's John 14, 11. So we covered the first couple phrases. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one that loves me. And that's point all the way down to point number three. And that's where we are. So aggressively, we would be able to complete, complete verse uh, point three and four today. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm not in any hurry. So we'll take our time. So... Point number three, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. So Jesus is following the plan of the Father. Quote, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. That's John 14 and 24. So looking at this, if you love Jesus, you will be loved by the Father. This is what we're trying to say here is that what Jesus and the Father were about was the same thing. We should just note that. Uh, Jesus, we already had the scripture in John 16, which talks about all that belongs to the Father is mine. When he says all that belongs to the Father is mine, he's talking about the, the plan of the Father. And with recognition of that, he's saying that now the plan of the Father is now invested in me. I hear some background noise. I just want to alert anybody whose phone is not uh, muted. Uh, please take an opportunity to do so now. Thank you. So, uh, so moving forward. <clears throat> so point B, following Jesus' instructions. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. That's the wrong point B. <laughs> it's 3B is where I'm at. So loving Christ is loving the Father's teaching plan, right? So, so I say teaching slash plan to mean that Jesus was teaching the Father's plan. So it was the, it was the teachings of Jesus, but it was really the Father's plan as it was revealed through Christ. So there's a couple of scriptures, 14, 23. Let's turn to John. We're going to need it. So John 14, 23 and 4. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, very much the same thing as we are seeing in verse 21. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me, does not keep my words. What are his words? It's talking about the teaching that he has been constantly telling the disciples. What? You didn't know? I mean, how can you not know? Don't you believe me? I've been telling you these things over and over, right? So it's not like Jesus hadn't told them, but they needed all of that reinforcement because of what they were getting ready to go through, as we saw last week. It was tough, the roller coaster of emotions that the disciples must have been on. It was tough. It would have been tough for us, I'm sure. So it's the same. So what Jesus was stressing, teaching to them, was the Father's plan, which was on the horizon, right? That we're getting ready to have a dispensational change. We're going from the age of Israel, whatever you want to call it, the age where Israel was the focus, to what we are calling the church age. And there are marked differences that they would have to adhere to from the transition uh, from Israel to the church. And uh, they had to be prepared, and Jesus was doing that. So 
loving Christ. So Christ says, the one who loves me, well, that means you love what the Father has uh, in his plan. Because Jesus is clearly saying, if you love my teaching, well, this is what will happen. Me and the Father will come and make our, our home with you. If you don't, anyone who does not keep my words, uh, verse 24, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So the, what he was teaching was essentially what the Father said. I hope you understand the cascading uh, going on here, right? What Jesus taught, yeah, he taught it, but it was from the Father. And the Father, what do you mean? The Father's plan. Right? He's the overall plan for all things, not just, well, this plan for the church, but he's unfolding his plan for all things. That means from eternity past. Before God created anything, there was a plan. It wasn't just, well, I just decided to create things. You know, I feel it like I'm in the creating mode. So I'm going to just create stuff. Now, there was a plan that went with that. There was a reason why he did what he did. So that's what we have to keep, keep our focus on. Right? So we, we talk about cause and effect. Right? Cause and effect. So point C, let's move forward. Love is the, is the genuine and mature motivation to which we should aspire. Now, when we say that, I can understand when we talk about love, there may be a lot of different ways uh, to see it. And the word is, is used in the English language very loosely. We, it will need to depend on the context of how we understand it in English. Somebody just walked up to you and said, I love you. Is that in response to something you've done and they're happy? Or is it, you know, is it some kind of uh, friendship type love? And it's a common word today. So what do we mean? We have to let the context decide what is meant when love is used. Um, the Bible has the, even different uses of love in different contexts. So we have to understand and allow the writer the liberty of, of conveying the message that he wants to convey through the words that he wants to use. So I'm saying it's a genuine, right, a, a mature motivation to which we should all aspire. I think it's a part of our spiritual growth. As we grow in knowledge right, and wisdom, we are also growing at the same rate we ought to be in love. Love is the motivation for us to continue learning more knowledge and wisdom. Right? It, it's just reciprocal back and forth. Love uh, is the motivation. Knowledge and wisdom is the reward. Love is the motivation. Knowledge and wisdom is the reward. So, I want to look at Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 together. I want to make sure we understand how we're talking about this mature, genuinely mature relationship of love. It is, we're going to illustrate it using these verses. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. So, we might have to look at 16 just I know that's outside of the verses I gave you here. 16, that according to the riches of his glory, that, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So strengthened, even though you're strong, you, you might need to be strengthened, right? Something needs to be even more strong than it already is. So you're going to be, need to have the power of the Spirit in your inner being in order to have what he's getting ready to say. So I would not say this is something for a baby or a baby Christian to comprehend or to uh, understand because it has to do with something that is in, I would say, a deeper or strong meat category. Verse 17, so that, right? So you need that strengthening so that, in order that, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
Now, this is uh, interesting when we think about this, because it is not something that we need strengthening for Christ to dwell in our hearts. We know that positionally, the moment we believe in Christ, that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Not only is Christ in us, but we are in Christ. And you can read Ephesians 2 where it says, right, and this is the chapter before this, that first we were dead in our transgressions and sins, and then we got saved. But his great love saved us. But it didn't say we had to get strengthened and all that, but it says we are seated in heavenly realms and in Christ Jesus, right? We, from, we go from the point of spiritual death being controlled by our sin nature, and then, because of his great love, he presents salvation to us. Boom, we're saved and seated at the right hand of God in Christ. So that's positional. You, you may understand that word, meaning, what is your position? How does God the Father see you? He looks at Christ and he sees you. You are in Christ. He doesn't see you as someone who is in Adam anymore, right? You have been baptized. He sees the reality of the work that has been done by means of the baptism of the Spirit. So uh, so now, back to Ephesians 3.17, so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So you may not even have known at salvation that Christ was in you, but it's true. You may not have realized it, or understood it, or been taught it, but it's true. It happened the moment you believed in Christ. Christ took up residence uh, through the ministry of the Spirit, making your body a temple of the Holy Spirit. A temple for what? A temple for the Father and Christ to positionally indwell you. But now we're talking about you. Why do you need to be strengthened so that you can understand what happened so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So, so now, not only is Christ in you, but to dwell is to be at home in your hearts through faith. So we're talking right back at that John 14, 20 and 21 passage where it says, if you love me, right? I will, you, and on that day you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me and I am in you. What do you mean, Jesus? Well, the one who loves me, that's the one he'll be loved by my father, and I too will love him, and then will show myself to them. So that is where you recognize that Christ is in your heart. And, and so it's what it's talking about, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And before you had to get, before you got to that, uh, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's the prerequisite for what we're talking about. And verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, now let's describe further what that means. That you, being rooted and grounded in love. So this is where it is. We talked about the, how you not only are growing in knowledge and wisdom, but you're also growing in love. You're rooted and grounded in love. That means you have not only the fundamental understanding of love, but it goes down to the root. It's not just what's on the surface. It's, you, you have a deep knowledge of love, rooted and grounded in love. That means you can't be moved by anything that comes along and brushes aside, right? Because you got roots in your love. So what does that mean further? That you may have, verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Now you could make up whatever you want for these, the, the, the length, the height, the width, the breadth, the, the length, the height, the depth. You can make up whatever terms you want. The breadth means this. and I, I am just going to summarize all of it to mean the Father's eternal purpose, which he just said in verse 11. 
according to his to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus. So this is the Father making known what his eternal purpose is. This is you, in these verses, comprehending that, being able to understand that, to, to apprehend those things. So, so that, you may be, that you may have, verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend. Now, how do you have strength to comprehend? This is deep. Right? This is the Father's eternal purpose. How can you possibly know what that is? I mean, we're finite, aren't we? We're just human beings with limited understanding, especially when it comes to spiritual things. We have been raised in darkness and, and Adam, and now all of a sudden the lights have been turned on. we got everything to learn and everything to unlearn. So how can you possibly comprehend? It's God, the Holy Spirit. He is your comprehension. He is your capacity to understand. But it is not just him. It is you plus him. Your cooperation with the Spirit plus the Spirit's power of comprehension. How do we know? The Spirit searches all things, says 1 Corinthians 1, even the deep things of God. What man knows that the thoughts of man except the spirit of man that is in him? In the same way, right? No one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So there's no way we could understand God's eternal purpose. And before earth was be- created, how in the world? We weren't even born. You could even say we weren't even thought about, but that's not true. Because God did think about you before time began. What did he do? Even even made some decisions. He says, I'm going to choose you to be in Christ so that you may be holy and blameless in my sight. So he adopted us. He elected us. He predestined us. He, He did a lot of things before time began. What do you mean time began? Before creation of all things. I'm going to have to move along because I could spend the whole time on these verses just talking about all the ramifications here. So we may have strength. That strength is provided because right there it says, right, that you have this power, strengthened and power by the Spirit in your inner being. Christ dwells in your heart. You're rooted and grounded in love. So you got the balance of knowledge and wisdom plus motivation. Right? The, the love is the motivation to want God, to want to know His eternal purpose. And not only know it, but you, to commit yourself to it, to give yourself up to it, so that you, whatever God says, that's what you want, right? It is not about your will anymore in this world. It's about God executing his plan through you on the ground. So, the, so what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth? It is the eternal purpose of God. That you may know that stuff comprehend how do you do it god the holy spirit has to give you the depths of understanding in that realm of understanding so verse 19 and to know this love well what's this going back to the love again because remember we're being rooted and grounded in love that we may have strength to comprehend to apprehend to grab it with all the saints right the breath the plan and to know this love, the love, and it should be the love for Christ, right? This is, this is the understanding, right? Well, when it speaks of Christ in this way, he's talking about not Christ from the standpoint of the, the carpenter who was in Galilee or, you know, Bethlehem or any of those places, Nazareth. He's talking about the completed work of Christ, who God planned Christ to be, right? This is the Father thinking about what, before time began, what he was going to accomplish in the person of Christ, right? And and we can read back where we just read all that, right? It says, this was according to his, verse 11, this was according to his eternal, to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we're thinking about who Christ is, 
he's not just talking about Christ from that standpoint. He's talking about the finished work of what he envisioned about Christ in the plan. That's why it talks about him this way. In Ephesians 1, talking about Christ who was raised to this high place and above far above principality and power and every title that can be named and in this age and any future age and and he has been given not only everything for all of that but over the church he is lord which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way so christ that's christ that's who christ is it's not just the carpenter, the one who died on the cross. He is the, the him plus his body, the fullness of him right, who fills everything in every way. That's also speaking of our eternal role. So when we think about that, we, we have to understand the love for Christ. And what is the, the love for Christ is what the Father planned before time began, before creation, the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. That's what he's talking about. His intentions for Christ. And to know that love. If you know it, that means you know what the Father's eternal purpose was. You know what the Father was thinking before he created He used Christ to create all things. You know what that was all about. That's the Father's eternal purpose. Those are the deep things of God. Getting into the thoughts, the motivations, the intentions of the Father in creating all things. So to know this love, the love for Christ, that surpasses knowledge. You wouldn't be able to comprehend this by yourself. The only reason why we have the ability to think at this level is because God the Holy Spirit has given us the capacity. He is not only our capacity, but he's our competency. We know because of him. And if I were to skip over to... To 1 Corinthians, I know I can't keep digressing or we will never get through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it goes like this. We said these things revealed to us by this through the Spirit. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. This is 1 Corinthians 2.10. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts. I'm reading ESV. I bet you Dwight is happy about that. (laughs) Switching to NIV now. (laughs) For who knows the thoughts of a person... I heard that. (laughs) Except their own spirit within them. So God is saying the spirit of God has him dead to rights. Like whatever I'm thinking God, the Father says, the Holy Spirit has it. Exactly. Because he's God. So verse 13 or 12, we have received, what we have received is not the spirit of the world. That's what we have, right? And born in Adam and what we know about in the world, right? But the spirit who is from God. So that, what we just described about us and the deep things and how nobody can know this is exclusive to God because it's God's spirit. Who, who can know the motivations of God? Nobody but God. So he says, but the spirit who is from God, so that, here it is, we may understand what God has freely given us. So that's the reasoning, right? God put all this in us. He gave us all of these gifts of the spirit and the ministry of the spirit so that we may understand what God has freely given us. (coughs) And then verse 13 Paul said, this is what we speak. Man, we're not fooling around. We're going to tell you exactly what it is. Not in words taught us by human wisdom. We didn't get this. This is in words taught us by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. 
So there you have, we're going back to Ephesians. There you have the means by which it's done, right? That the Holy Spirit, there's no way you could comprehend any of this were it not for God, the Holy Spirit. You, you are dead. You have no clue. None of us could understand anything related to spiritual realities, let alone the deep things of God. So back to Ephesians 3, I think we're in verse 19. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This is the love for Christ, right? Ephesians 3.18. To know how wide and long and high and deep is the love for Christ. And to know this love, right? If you know it, this love, then that means the Holy Spirit has done his job on you that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I don't even know how to say words that will augment or complement that phrase. Because that phrase says enough already by itself. I don't have to say or, or, or accentuate or magnify. It's already magnified to the highest level. That you... <laughs> You didn't get it that you may be filled. Let me just maybe give a little bit here. To the measure. Right? Now you might say, well, what measure? To the measure that a man can handle, you might want to say. To the measure of what a person can, has the capacity to have. Nope. What measure? Remember, the Spirit searches all things, even down to the deep things of God. So what would you what would the spirit be able to lead you into to all the fullness of God right to the measure of all the that is the measure the fullness of God it is not the fullness of man fullness of God and if we look at it in Ephesians 4 which is in the next chapter he says to be mature I'll just turn to it just so you know how we look at this Hopefully. Ephesians 4. So in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Christ is, remember, everything that belongs to the Father has been given to me. That is why I'm making it known to you, because it belongs to you, right? It's part of who you are. It's your destiny to know these things. So he calls it here, right, the fullness or whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that word, just the review, I must have told you about 150 times that word fullness, right? that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That means that it completes God. What it, listen, God is complete within himself. We could say that. But what does it complete? It completes God's eternal purpose. Without this, God would not have what his will is. His will is that all these things happen and we can be filled. To the measure. Now, love is involved because you not only have to grow in knowledge and wisdom, but the love. When you see eye to eye with the love, the motivation that the Father had from eternity past, you now have that love. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. In order that you may be filled to the measure, to this limit of all the fullness of God. So, love and this knowledge and wisdom is all related. That's the point in all of that to say love is a genuine and mature motivation to which we should all aspire. And that's how when we look at those verses 17 through 19 together, we see love intertwined with being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Point D. We're going back to our notes. By the way, I know you guys think it should be time for amen uh, or something, but we're not there yet. We've got a little bit more time to go. So point D, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart 
and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. So here we see another verse. This verse is in Colossians 2.2. 2, that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Right? So how are you going to have that? You have to be encouraged in heart, united in love. So their love is again, right? It's, it, 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 the result of it here is that we may have the full riches of complete understanding. So that love is our motivation to fulfill the Father's purpose. In other words, we agree with it. We're on board with it. We commit ourselves to it. It's not just, oh, I believe it. No, it's more than that. It's like, okay, I believe it, but now I love it. I, it is, I am motivated toward it. It is part of who I am. My Every part of my being wants that. Now, just because, you know, we, we are born again does not mean we understand what God's plan is. We, we still think about ourselves. That's why we need to have our minds transformed by, re, you know, like it says, stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need that because you don't have that motivation. You're born again, you're saved, yes, positionally you're in Christ, but you don't know it. But you need to know it. You need to learn about who Christ is as you focus on these. So Colossians 2.2, 2, you've got to see that. That not only are united in love, right, so that you may have, this is what will happen once you have that proper motivation. And God the Holy Spirit, the power of God, who understands the deep things of God, will lead you into all of, all the truth so that you may have the full riches. Now, what are these riches related to? Complete, the full riches of complete understanding. In order, what is that about? That you may know the law, the Ten Commandments, all that other stuff. No, in order that you may know the mystery of God. And the mystery of God happened before time began because that's when God thought about it and put into play the plan to achieve it. So it has, it can't be the law, it can't be all these other things. This dispensation right here is where God unveils this information, namely Christ. And I told you when it says Christ, he's not just talking about Christ the carpenter, Christ the one who died for our sins. He's talking about Christ, the Christ that fulfills where God's intention was to bring many sons into glory. That's what he's talking about, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Knowing that is standing eye to eye with the Father before time began. So we already read 1 Corinthians 2, 9, right? So Romans 8, 28, well, 2, 9 talks about for those who love him, right? These are all scriptures that deal with the one who loves me. What will happen to the one who loves me? Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. Romans 8, 28 for we know that all God works together all things for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He works it for everybody, but these are the people who know. Like, and we know. Right? <laughs> we know. If, if you don't know, then that means you haven't learned. Romans 8.28 starts out with those three words, and we know. And, but who are those who know? Those who love him. Right? That's key. And are called according to his purpose. That's all of us. But we know is for those who love him. Point E, we're moving on in our notes. We are getting somewhere fast. Love by my father. It's, it's, so in our phrase, the one who loves me will be loved by my father. Right? The love by my father is point E. Recognition that you see eye to eye with the father. Through the mind of Christ. Eye to eye with the Father through the mind. Why would he tell you anyway? Who are you 
You think you're special because you're getting all this stuff that he's telling you? No, because he, he, he chose you in him before the creation of the world. This is your destiny. This is about you. That's why he's telling you. Right? So, so that's why when we read uh, uh, 14, 16, right, all these verses right, have to do with that. I could turn to each one of them. And Ephesians, should we do it? Should we go through all these verses? Uh, I, we've been through here. Well, since we're, let me look at a couple of them, all right? Well, that's what we'll do, to be fair. Maybe somebody's listening for the first time, and we should make sure we are biblically accurate about the things we're talking about. It's important, because people will wonder where you got this stuff. And you know, you don't really have a leg to stand on. It's not going to be reasonable to them. You need to at least have an understanding of what, where these things are said in Scripture. So, uh, John 14, 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Now, 14, 16, really, I should have put... Uh, Really, I think that something's not right with this. It should be 14 through 15, right? So 14 and 15 says, uh, you may ask me for anything you want my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commands. What Christ is telling you to do. Right? This is important. Right? And, and I will ask the Father and he will provide you with another counselor. So it is the Father's intention to provide you with this if you keep the commandments of Christ. I'm making a point here. So go to Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. So in Ephesians 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's done this already. When, this is past action. This is not like he will bless you. He's already done it. He has blessed, hath blessed us as King James. But praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, past tense, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How about every earthly blessing? No, it's not every earthly blessing. You know why? Because this happened before time began. How do I know? Verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. There it is. That's how he blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How did, how did he do it? He chose us to be in Christ before the creation of the world. Right? So that, the holy and blameless in, in, in his sight. In love he predestined us to be a, for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. See, see those, this here, this part here, his pleasure and will. This is the Father's eternal purpose. He wanted this. So when you say, well, what, why did he create you know, the world? Because he wanted this. This is his pleasure and will to do this. He wants an outcome. What is it? He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. That's part of the plan. Right? That he is, now, when he created Adam, Adam didn't have all this. Right? Uh, he wasn't the ones that, otherwise God would have gave the Spirit and, and revealed to Adam what the mystery was. He, now what came to Abraham. Abraham, he got a lot of information from God, but he didn't get this information. And why? Because it didn't pertain to him. Abraham was progenitor of the Jewish race. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? And then Jacob had the tribes of Israel. But none of them got this information. It wasn't about them. Right? It was about us. It was revealed to us. So then God didn't just say, well, you know, it's just time to reveal a mystery. I don't, I'm just going to reveal it to anybody. No, he revealed it to those 
for whom it pertains. That's us. We are part of the mystery. So, and then all the way in the verse 5, and then um, 15, 15, for this reason, ever, this is Ephesians 1, 15, in case you were lost through all these scriptures. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people. So two things are going on here. Faith and love, right? They're, both things are happening. These people are progressing in a balanced manner. Not only about your faith, it's not just talking about the fact that you believed in Christ. It's not just that. Faith here is a reference to, from the, pa pa uh, the body of truth, from a passive sense, not what is, it's not believing, it is what is believed. That is the body of truth. It's faith in a passive sense. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people. So you don't get that without some maturing going on. Remember, love is not just something that you get. Love is that motivation that is, shows God that you, this is really the best way to thank God. It's by loving him. Because we could say, oh, God, thank you for saving me. I appreciate you. I have nothing but admiration for what you've done in Christ and all that. But the way you really pay God or you show God that you, that you really appreciate what he's done, there's no paying God. But there is love. That's what you can give him. It's just a surrender of your motivation of self in this world. Your right to live here. Your right to be, and you're saying, God, I give you, give that to you, and I want the Father's plan for my life. That's what I want. So, moving forward here, point F. Oh, I'm sorry, point E, we didn't finish. And this love is reciprocated by the Father's presence in Christ. That's verse 23. Right, verse 23, and this is going back to John, by the way. John 14. So, so this is one point we'd like to understand before we move from here. Is that uh, when it says, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. What does it mean? to be loved by the Father. We know loving Christ is loving the Father. So Father is basically loving you back. If you love him, he will love you back. Well, what does loving him mean? It means that uh, we respect, we adore, we are motivated to fulfill his plan. Just like Jesus said, but the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. We're committed to executing the Father's plan. That's what loving the Father is. Loving Christ is loving the Father. If we love, because Christ said everything that I'm telling you, I got from the Father. These, in fact, the very words you hear are the Father's. If you don't obey my teaching, well, you don't obey the Father's teaching. That's that's what it is. So, how does what happens as a result of you loving back the Father? And it is here, it is reciprocated by the Father's presence. The Father says, he makes these statements, I will, then if this is true of you, what will happen? My Father will love them. And I'm reading in John 14, 23. Let's go back to the beginning. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Right? It's love, execute the plan, right? That's what I want. My Father will love them, right? because it's really His plan. And we, notice, will come to them and make our home with them. So Christ said earlier, in verse 21, 20 and 21, He says, uh, On a day you will realize I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Right? So show Christ will say, I'm going to show myself to you. 
And then verse 23, the Father will also be at home in your body, your temple body. So, so that's reciprocating. That's what the Father is saying. As a result of you loving me, not only will Christ be at home in you, but I will also be in you. Yeah, that's, that's what he's saying here. So that's what I want you to see. I want you to make sure we get, right, about the Father's presence in Christ. Right? So if the Father is in Christ, and he says, I want you to have the same relationship where you are in me and I am in you. Right? Point F, loving the Father is about embracing the revelation of his plan through Christ. It's nothing to do with human love. Nothing to do with human love. So that's important. So you, you might say, well, what happens? Christ says, what will happen if you do these things, right? right? Christ says, if you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate. He, he will be with you forever. The spirit of truth, you cannot accept him, right? Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. For long, the world won't see me anymore because I'll be ascended to the Father. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you'll realize this. And there's a condition thrown in. We already saw the condition in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Again, the condition is uh, confirmed in verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Again, the condition is confirmed in verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. There's the reciprocal love. Christ says, I will love you and I will show myself to you. He says, if you love my teaching, you, the Father will love you because really it's his teaching. And we will come and make our home with you. That's the presence of the Father in us. Now, positionally, the Father is in you the moment you believe in Christ. Positionally, Christ is in you the moment you believe in Christ. But you don't know it. You haven't learned about it the moment you believe in Christ. What this is, is the revelation of, of these things in your heart. This is the reality of the Father's presence in you. Show myself to them. You will know. On that day, you will know that I am in the Father. Father is in me, right? You, the things I've been telling you, you will now understand it because it, ha it will have happened to you. That's why you will know. It will have happened to you. So you, the love, remember, from the wisdom and knowledge, it is rewarded. The love is, is goes back and forth. The love motivates more wisdom and knowledge. more wisdom and knowledge we get, the more we love God. And the more we love God, the more wisdom and knowledge we get. The result of that is we love God even more. And it just keeps going like that. Until we get to the fullness and stature of Christ. Until we get to the, to, the, to the full measure of God. That's what he's saying. So, we got a lot more to cover. In this last phrase, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I will love them and show myself to them. You need to really pay attention to this. Uh, looks like it's going to be next week when we talk about these things. You have the notes. Let's come back and have a good discussion about how this works in you. Let's talk about it next week. We're going to have to quit as our time has come to an end. I'm sorry I talk so much, but we'll get to this part next week. Unfortunately, we didn't finish. Uh, so let's bow our heads and close. We'll resume next week. Thank you, Father. We're pleased to know the phenomenal things that are, have been said about us in the Word. We pray that you, your Spirit will lead and guide and direct us to understand the things that are said about us so that we can comprehend your eternal purpose 
that we can understand the things that have been freely given to us. So we thank you for each person who's on the line with us, who's on the call, who's on this conference. We pray for wisdom and knowledge, and we also pray that we will have the proper motivation of love regarding these things. All of this we ask in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Right. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. We're all right. Stand there. I heard it right. Stand by. We will close. How you doing, Dwight? Good, good. How you doing? Oh, 